Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Do you want to wear it today instead? Really? Yeah, do you want to be the Starfleet girl? Whoa. Sure, of course. Hey, oh yeah. my god. Man. Thank you. <laughs> to what do we owe the honor? All right, we're going to go ahead and start the broadcast because it's informal and casual and we can do that. All right, here we go. <clears throat> Welcome to a brand new episode of Starfleet Boy where we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek The Next Generation and... Uh, I'm joined by two very special guests today. I have uh, to my right the beautiful Starfleet girl, Saima, and Starfleet man, Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we all just finished watching uh, the episode Unnatural Selection together, and uh, now we're here to talk about it. So uh, I guess you guys maybe want to just say hi to everyone real quick. Hi. Hi. Oh, I like that. It was very um, pronounced high. It's very good. (laughs) Um, What do we have? Space juice? What was it? Space time? Yeah, we have some space nog. Space nog. We had space nog, and I'm having some red wine as well. Space nog is like eggnog, but for understanding space. And it acts a lot like catnip does on cats, but on humans. Right. So... Yeah. That's a very good explanation. Yeah, right. yeah, I think so. Concise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Unnatural Selection. Uh, I forget what number episode this is, but um, we start out with the Starship Enterprise uh, heading towards Starbase India, and they're interrupted by a, uh, a distress call or something like that, and then there's the... What was the name of the Starship? Do you remember the one that they found? Ooh. It was... Uh, with the T? Last Tree. Oh, the land tree. Land tree. It was the land there tree. Okay, so they discover the USS land tree. No one's responding. It's kind of just dead and floating, dead in space, and uh, they're able to figure out a way to peek into the ship using a special uh, override that only the captain can do. And they see that everyone's dead, and not only are they dead, but they're extremely old. Like they died of old age, and uh, it's kind of a horrifying scene where Captain Picard's like, zoom in closer to that captain. He wants, he's like really obsessed with seeing the captain of the land tree and yeah. it's kind of creepy. Anyways, um, on a related note, there's a, another distress call happening at a nearby station, Starbase, where they're doing some kind of experiment, genetic experiment and apparently the problem over there is the same thing. Everyone's getting old. So, uh, 
they kind of figure, okay, this must be related. And uh, they think that, like, someone who was on board the Lantry who was visiting the Starbase may have given everyone this uh, aging disease. And uh, so they're, like, figuring out a way to, to solve the problem, but they can't. They realize that the children on the Starbase, the genetic experiment children, are not affected by the disease. So Dr. Pulaski wants to study them and see if she can figure out why they're immune so that maybe uh, she can help cure the disease on the Starbase. She's very adamant and Captain, even though, you know, against uh, advice not to, Captain Picard decides to go ahead and let her experiment on this kid. And uh, when they beam him aboard, they find out that this like 12 year old looks like a grown ass man and he's like kind of beautiful. He's like an Adonis. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, Captain Picard won't risk the ship, so they put the kid and Dr. Pulaski and Data on a shuttlecraft, and when they take the stasis field away, everything seems normal. She's scanning him, but then all of a sudden, just when they think everything's fine, she gets arthritis and uh, is infected by the disease and realizes that the children, the genetically uh, modified children, are actually the cause of the disease and so now uh it's a race against time literally to try and solve the issue but the clever clue of the enterprise clever clever crew of the enterprise figures out a way through the transporter to uh return dr pulaski back to her state before she contracted the disease and then we have a happy ending and that was the Yay. that was the whole episode. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. think I covered everything? That was summer? a good recap. Yeah, that was yeah. a good recap. Good. Oh, Aside cool. from that one tongue twister, you failed. I did fail. I yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> Clever crew member. <laughs> so what? So what? This is the part. So you guys are new to the show. Yeah. Starfleet boy. So we just start. Just whatever's on your mind. Like, what did okay. you think of the episode? Like, do you have questions? Oh, there are a few things. Jamie is a Star Trek fan. He's seen Star Trek: The Next Generation at least. At least once in your life, right? Yeah, I've uh, I've uh, more than dabbled with the show. I, I would say I'm well-versed with the characters and the uh, type of storytelling they do. Uh, however, I haven't watched it all in sequence. Oh, interesting. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fun. I oh, watched syndicated reruns for a long time, and they played out of order. That's how I was introduced to the original series, and it right. wasn't until, like, mm. DVD that I actually saw it in order. So right. Very similar yeah. situation. And Saima, uh, what's your uh, Star Trek? I've only watched one episode before, and it was in my um, college philosophy class, and it was an episode about the android. And he oh, starts to good... feel things, or he's, oh. like, questioning things? Is that it? I don't know. There's a lot of great episodes about okay. Data, so I, I can't remember that one. It's, yeah. yeah, it's a Data episode, and I watched it in a philosophy class. I thought you were going to say it's, there's an episode this season about Data that's phenomenal. It's, like, a really What's good episode. What's the episode? Well, it's, a, it's an episode where they try to determine whether he... Whether He's sentient or not, and there's a whole courtroom. I think that's, yeah. that's the one the that one. I watched. Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's like, that's like that's philosophy like re- 101. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good episode, yeah. but yeah. It's definitely one of the best episodes. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <coughs> I also had to watch that for a philosophy class. Whoa, Whoa. so uh, you guys are from Canada, so in philosophy classes in Canada, you guys get to watch Star Trek. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. I believe we were studying determinism. 
Yeah. And our, well, my te- our teacher was pretty laid back. Uh, we got to watch like episodes of TV shows and movies as well. And we wow. got yeah, we got I got to do a photo essay. Oh, that's a, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, what's determinism? Well, that's a good question now. Because <laughs> it's been several years and I don't know anymore. <laughs> I think determinism, if I remember correctly, is like whether or not you determine your own future. Like if your decisions are actually what f- determine your future. Oh. Or if everything's like already predetermined and you're just living out this life. And even though you think you're making decisions, it's all been determined. Yeah, I do think that's that's pretty on, on point. That's pretty trippy yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder. That's a really good question. Yeah, that's certainly a complex question. It's warranted several philosophical novels, so, you know, we might not be able to figure it out tonight. <laughs> but... If you believe that... Um, things are determined for you are you a determinist that i'm not sure or is it the other way around if you believe that you determine your own future through your choices then determinant determinist well yeah i guess so determinant (laughs) Uh, that's what i'm guessing so so since you only ever saw one other episode i do you have any questions about this one what did you think what were your thoughts my thoughts were i liked it Mm -hmm. um my question was i kind of pretty much understood what everyone's role was within the uss enterprise but the only person that i was like kind of questioning was this the the lady this girl with like brown or dark curly hair counselor d because she'd just be like well, this person is feeling good right now. <laughs> so it's like, I didn't understand. Like, I understand that she'd give advice, but her advice was based on, like, someone's emotions. So, yeah. So, Ca- Counselor Troy is mm-hmm. from a race of aliens or a, a race called the, Betaz- the Betazoids. Beta Z. She's from a planet called Betazoid, Beta Z, and she's a Betazoid. That's how it is. <laughs> Another. Right. Another tongue twister. There you go. Um, and you failed that one. I failed too. that one too. It's because I had the space. The space. The sp- space nogs. The like spice it. must flow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so she. she Her people are actually telepathic. And okay. they can also read your thoughts. Okay. So what is that like? They can read your mind. They can actually read your thoughts, so I forget. But anyways, she's half human, so she's only empathic. So she can only det- – she can't read your thoughts, but she knows what you're, how you're feeling. Okay. So that's what she does. So uh, apparently some ships in Star Trek, in Starfleet, have a uh, ship's counselor, and that's her actual role on the ship. Okay. But she's extra uh, intuitive because she can actually sense people's emotional states. Okay. So that's why she's, like, doing that. And actually, she's, like, it's funny that you didn't know what her role is because, like, another co-host of mine is always talking about how she's, like, a superfluous character. Well, she is. That's <laughs> it. She totally is. And it's, like, I, as I was watching it, I thought this, and I no- noted that she's, like, a pretty, like, pretty lady as well. And I she's feel beautiful. Like, Marina, and that's, Marina Sirtis. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel like her role is also just to add a bit of, like, sex appeal Which to is show. understandable because I feel like something... Maybe we should address is that Star Trek: The Next Generation is definitely the least pretty of all the Star Trek casts. What What does that mean? 
I mean, their captain is a bald middle-aged he's like, man. He looks he's like one fine. of the most. He's like one of the sexiest men alive, and he was re- uh, voted like sexiest man, like Jean Luc Picard. Like I know so many women, young. Yeah, women. he has like because he has like that intelligent thing going, like an old intelligent oh, yeah, man yeah, yeah. who I, knows what's going on. I, so I kind of disagree. <laughs> Well, I yeah, and I, Riker Riker's very handsome with his beard, but that beard really just had to go. It's, Wesley Wesley's super handsome, right? So a, Will Wheaton in this yeah. show is you very were just beautiful. commenting about that. Yeah, he's yeah. very beautiful, yeah. very young. Um, <laughs> but everyone's kind of an old bag on the show. Uh, yeah, Levar Burton looks great, but you can't see his eyes. Um, Will be Goldberg's on the show and she looks great. Yeah, yeah. And I thought Doctor Pulaski's. She's a handsome older woman. I don't know. She's okay. I don't know. I have to say, I you know, in For terms, you. if I watched it as someone who rated things strictly based on sex appeal, I I would think that uh, Counselor, Counselor Troy, Troy is the sexiest, it w- is probably an essential ingredient. <laughs> of course, being able to process. Uh, television. Uh, so you're saying the original series cast was way sexier oh, than the next gen. And do you know the you know like Captain Kirk? Who's sexier, Captain P- Kirk or Captain Picard? Picard all the way. I think Kirk is like yeah. maybe it's just me. I, I <laughs> William Shatner like weirds me out a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah, of course he's terrifying, but. <laughs> And but but he was never the most attractive part of the original cast. Uh, Spock was. Spock was very attractive. Spock. Yeah. I don't see that either personally, but that's just maybe a, on a personal. But Captain Picard wins the day. Like wins yeah. the. Oh, that's awesome. I. Totally. I, I think he awesome. looks great, and and young Patrick Stewart certainly was very attractive. He's basically just a thinner version of current Patrick Stewart. So this episode deals with like aging directly. So actually, you do see. Dr. Pulaski, like, she's already kind of middle, a little older than middle age, maybe. Mm-hmm. And you see her age, and all these people are aging. And you were just commenting about Wesley and looking so beautiful in his youth and right. things like that. What are your personal thoughts on aging, and how are you dealing with aging? Like, have you noticed yourself aging? And, you know, you're you're both very young. I'm, <laughs> I'm the oldest person in this room. Um, but I'm just curious to know what your thoughts on aging is. And, and did the show evoke any of those thoughts or did you have, find yourself thinking about it this episode? Uh, I didn't think too much about aging my, on a personal level while watching the episode. Uh, but my thoughts on aging are like, it has to happen to everyone. It's inevitable. Um, I guess on a personal note, I try to lead like a healthy life and eat right and exercise so that the aging process happens in a good way, I guess. Yeah, like a graceful. Great, yeah, gracefully. Yeah. Um, right. I mean, um, yeah, I do notice myself aging a little bit. Uh, my face thinned out as I got older. Uh, I've noticed, you know, my, my hairline has been perpetually receding at a very slow rate. No. Very, very slow, uh, you know, since I was about 18, so that's just ongoing, um, but, you know, you, you, you gotta get older. There's so many great things about getting older. You get better at things, right? That's true. Well, I've noticed the opposite. My face went from baby fat to, like, slimmed out, and now it's puffy again. Right. And so it's like, I think I'm 
Yeah, I'm 38. I don't know how... What are you, 25? I'm 25. I'm 25. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly dealing with puffiness. I gotta put ice ice on the face. Oh, man, Patrick Bateman style. He wears an ice mask every morning <laughs> if his face is looking puffy. <laughs> That's right. He also does a thousand sit-ups. I wonder if Patrick Bateman got older. Thousand sit-ups. You're referring to uh, American American Psycho, Psycho yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, going back to this episode for a second. <laughs> <laughs> so, what was like your favorite moment in the episode? My favorite moment in the episode was when I the the doctor wants to go examine the child, and she's asking uh, Captain Picard, and she thinks he's gonna say no. And then he says approved, and she goes, but... And then she starts talking, and then she stops, and she's like, oh, you approved it. I like that little... That was pretty bad. That was a nice little human interaction. Yeah, Yeah, that was was great. That was Spielberg-esque comedic relief. Oh, yeah? Spielberg was a very uh, able director in the sense that he knows when to inject comedic relief. And I think that was uh, probably bored for this episode, for that moment at least. Uh, my favorite moment in this episode is uh, probably uh, seeing the the, the child, uh, <laughs> mostly because <laughs> what sounds like kind of pedophilish. Well, was- <laughs> here's the thing: is because it's kind of hilarious when the child shows up. The episode is great. I actually think it's one of the best uh, early TNG episodes I've seen, uh, but the child is basically just like a model that they flew in directly from <laughs> Athens, and you can tell he just doesn't know how to act. He's just sitting there smiling. Right, that's, he never, that's why he never speaks, probably, like, he's perfect. For right, that, yeah. yeah, it you, kind of kind Do you of think feels. they wrote that he was telling, like, that he would not speak after they met him, and they're like, oh, you can't act, you cannot <laughs> that's, speak? <laughs> that's a really great question. Um, that's, you know, it's it's quite in the realm of possibility, but I have a feeling that with Star Trek it was a little bit more, it was more like, like, don't worry about the actor. He's not. He doesn't have a speaking role. Okay. Right. So like, yeah. it was probably more like that. But Just that's get, really funny. I like yeah. that. It um, kind of pains me that I know this actor is probably getting residual payments every time we watch an episode, and all he did was sit there. All he did was sit and look no, pretty. He looked really pretty, and he looked very like concerned. Well, actually, he didn't look concerned No, at all. he was, like, like yeah, smiling. He was, right. like, doing an audition for all of America. And they didn't even show him that much, to be honest. Well, I mean, this is, like, the 80s, like, 1989, and so I think they had, like, a limit as to how how much, like, screen time you could have for a naked person on... Okay. Well, he wasn't right. naked, he, but, yeah. you know, like, yeah. there was a lot of skin showing. It was a kid show. Like, not a kid show, but a family show, so... Okay. They couldn't show him that. It'd be overwhelming. I know as a kid, I was probably a little overwhelmed the first time I saw this. I was like, you got excited. Well, I'm sure I did. <laughs> I'm certain I was excited. Yeah. Um, my favorite part of the episode was Worf rolling his eyes in the conference room. Oh, yeah. He, like, I didn't notice that ever until this time. Like, I've watched this episode probably, like, three times now, and this is the first time I ever noticed it. I thought that was brilliant, because it's like, no one's listening to him at all. He's like, first he's like, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't give the best advice. 
The first time he gives advice, he says, we should board the ship. If they had done that, everyone would have caught yeah, the disease yeah. and died. Uh, I forget what his advice was. Like, it was something like destroy the station or something crazy, right? Like, I forget what it was. I don't remember. It was, uh, I think it was simply they should leave everyone at the station. Just oh, and just, like, forget it and leave. Yeah, and leave yeah. it. And then Picard's, like, you know, when he when he approves, like, the... When he approves, like, the first thing, I forget whatever it was, like, to to stay and investigate, that's when he rolled his eyes. Yeah. And it was, like, great. I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, actually rolling yeah. his eyes. So, Worf rolling his eyes was my favorite part of the episode. It was definitely a good, once again, good Spielbergian comic relief. There was a lot of comedy, I thought, I noticed, sprinkled yeah. in. Well, a good amount of comedy sprinkled in. You're right. Good. Right. Good point. Thank you. <laughs> What else uh what else did you like or dislike? What did you dislike about the episode? Hmm. Well, I thought it was a great uh and still relevant uh kind of look at the implications of scientific experimentation. Yeah. Uh and how far we can take it. Uh as well as uh what to do when there's a crisis in terms of lives being involved in this research. Um, I really liked the ongoing debate about whether or not these children should be rescued. Um, I think often, especially now, uh, there are so many cases that make it to court, for example, where... uh, you know, there's a there's a wide presumption, like there was in this uh, in this episode, where everyone presumed the children were fine, they were unaffected, so they couldn't be uh, propagating this uh, this disease. And the show did an interesting, um, or kind of took an interesting look at this idea of what are presumptions versus the actual outcome, and how do you how do you act when you're unsure of either? Um, so they didn't know if the kids were uh, going to uh, be harmful. Uh, Although Doctor Plasky was so certain, let's see. Right, that actually, they were. that's something that kind of you're saying what I didn't like. Not that I didn't like it, but it was kind of like uh, I found a little annoying of how certain she was. Mm. And I know that it's just meant for the character to play an extreme, so that like so that you get different points of view. But I found it like kind of annoying how certain she was, and she doesn't have any. She didn't have anything to like back her up. Uh, and when she talks back to the lady, who's in that station with the kids, like the research station, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, we can't come and help you because that's like what the order she got from the commander." And the lady's like, "Oh, I beg you, please." And then she's like, "Oh, hold on, let me get back to you." I was like, well, you got an order. You're supposed to follow it. Isn't that your job? Right. They do preface at the beginning of the episode that uh, Dr. Pulowski is one of the most uh, committed doctors That's true. to ever have worked uh, for Starfleet. They go out of their way, I think, to point out her credentials. And then, as a matter of fact, when they arrive at the station, um, 
the the scientists on the station's like, Dr. Pulaski, yeah. you wrote blah, 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 yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And then, you know, she's like, haha, it was a long time ago. Right. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if she was like, haha, she's like, let's not but bring I, that up. But on your point, uh, Saima, I thought, yeah, like, there was something about that, like, very unscientist, like, well, that's about it, her. Well, that like, it was just was like, like, oh, because you asked... Where there was no, like, I don't know. But we also have to take into account, I think, that scientists are humans. And, like, you know, maybe her heart strings were just pulled the right way. You know, like, she's just, like, uh, it was a situation where she couldn't be uh, objective. And she had to, she you know, she took a, she took a, a, a stance based on her feelings. Like, a, you know, she... That, I, I see what you're saying. I guess that kind of disturbs me, knowing that someone at that scientific level would just take a stance based on their feelings and not using empirical evidence. I do think that happens, though. There's no yeah. way no, it definitely scientists happens. are not It definitely happens. It's just like... But, yeah. but interestingly enough, um, Star Trek oftentimes will uh, be in a situation... You know, there will be a situation where, uh, you know, emotion versus, like, you know... Reason. Reason comes up a lot. And I think oftentimes... Um, you do find that uh, these futuristic characters do choose reason over emotion. Okay. So, um, but this was an exception for sure. And and Dr. Pulaski, you know, she she was a little bit, I, I wouldn't say out of character, but I think it added dimension to her character because until now she was a little bit more, you know, by, signed, the, book? by the book. Yeah. yeah. And so it was like interesting. I do agree. Yeah. I ultimately wonder if the means through which the uh, uh, Star Trek Enterprise uh, proceed, like, their, their, their course of action, I wonder if it was the right one. Uh, because, they, sure, the, uh, you know, in the end, everyone was fine, um, as is often the case with these TV shows, but uh, it, it, was, uh, it was kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, there's this whole dilemma of, well, do we send someone down to, to, to get these kids? Uh, or do we not? And then how far do we push in terms of in- investigating uh, without putting ourselves in the way of harm? Um, and that's a, that's a tough question to answer. I don't know. I wonder if Picard went to bed thinking he did the right thing. I think he was just... Uh, it's a really interesting point, and I think that he was just happy to have his crewmen back. That's true. I think his, like, chief... The impression I got, his chief concern was for Dr. Pulaski, because even though she opted for the risk and and even, like, was she was aware of the risk and still uh, wanted to do the mission, mm-hmm. uh, I think part of him felt responsible, as a good starship captain would, you know? Like, you can't help right. it. Like, even if it's not your uh, decision, you want to support your crew. And, and so, yeah, I thought that was a cool thing. Yeah. Hmm. I guess so. <laughs> I think Simon agrees. <laughs> yeah, no. I was thinking about this, actually, because... So she had made this rash, rash decision to, like, want to examine the, the child, mm-hmm. um, where, in the end, it was like she got to the answer by talking to the lady. So... It was like, oh, instead of doing something so rash, you could have just talked to her for a little bit longer. Right. And maybe this whole fiasco could have been avoided. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, 
I just wanted to point out, this is, this is a real non-sequitur, but I noticed during this episode that the engineer in the next generation, uh, who is Irish, I believe, as opposed to Scottish. Chief, and, Chief O'Brien, if that's who you're referring right, to. Right, so I'm referring to Chief O'Brien. Yeah. Kind of just, look, he looks just like Jason Siegel. What? I was watching this episode and I thought, Jason Siegel is here. I didn't think that. I didn't think he looked like Jason Siegel. In fact, Cole Meany has been in a lot of, um, a lot of, oh, my beanie looks nicer this way. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Cole Meany has been in a lot of movies. He was in Far and Away. He played like a bad, he usually ends up playing bad guys, I think. But he's also, Chief O'Brien continues after Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, really? On to Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. I so, wasn't even aware there was yeah, a crossover. Yeah, yeah, totally. And then he, so he later on in Star Trek: The Next Generation, we we don't hide spoilers. So okay, sorry, I was Sunday. wondering. Yeah. Also, I thought this when you were doing the intro. Yeah. So no, there's there's plenty of spoilers. If you're if you Good. haven't watched this episode, you should. I'm sorry that you've gotten this far. That uh, <laughs> you should probably go watch it. And then come back to our discussion. But anyways, uh, if you haven't watched Star Trek, then you're in for a lot of spoilers. And so here's another spoiler. So um, later on in Star Trek The Next Generation, he uh, meets and marries the love of his life, Keiko. And then Keiko, Brian, their daughter, and he end up transferring to uh, Deep Space Nine. Okay. Dope. And And we do another show. There's Starfleet Boy. And then there's a show called... Drunk Space Nine, and on Drunk Space Nine, we—it's just what it sounds like. We're we get drunk and we talk about Star Trek: Deep Space Nine. That sounds oh. lovely. Yeah, okay. it's a cool show. Check it out. Okay, I'm on his show. Why would I not check out your own show? I'm well, I'm so I'm the host of Starfleet Boy. Right. Goldie Scott, which is oh a Cardassian name, but my friend Scott. Is the host of Drunk Space Nine. Oh, nice. Okay, so, so I'm just like a guest. I'm just like a permanent guest. Right. You're a guest panelist. Guest, or yeah, like right. but perma- pretty permanent. Like I don't think I've done. He's done one episode without me. Well, because he knows not to go without the best. Wow, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I would like. Thank to, you, Starfleet uh, girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Starfleet girl. Uh, no, yeah, I would like to retract my comment then about. Uh, you know, checking out Drunk Space Night. That, no, no, no. You know, it's we, not your yeah. show, so now yeah. I need to be polite. <laughs> you should still check it out. Yeah, you yeah. should still Actually, I have a question. Yeah. I, maybe I'm the only one who sensed this. Was there, like, a little bit of sexual tension between the Doctor and Captain Picard? Or was it just me? Well, I so I, I wanted to say, this is an indirect answer, uh, but you're not a good captain of a Star Trek ship if you do not have sexual tension with most people on the ship, you know what I mean? There's always potential for the captain to establish sexual tension with any character. The best captains do it. But I felt like especially them, like because they both had such strong personalities, it was like, ugh, Oh, they definitely know. wanted to. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. I don't think that's true. So um, in the first season... We meet uh, Dr. Crusher, who was, who's Wesley's mom. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely a sexual tension between them. I mean, it's, it's like pretty much they hit you over the head with it, right? Okay. I think Captain Picard, like, admires Dr. Pulaski, and in a way he finds her 
like maybe fascinating or something, but I definitely don't think he wants to go to bed with her. Okay. I think, and I think that maybe Dr. Pulaski might not want to go to bed with Captain Picard either. I think she'd be more into like Commander Riker. Just saying. Yeah. I don't know. This should be a whole other uh, show where you talk about the sex lives. The sex lives. Well, Star Trek The Next Generation is a very sexy TV show. It, it is, yeah. And a lot, it, it, there, the characters actually do, you do find out a lot about their sex lives throughout the show. So, Counselor Troy. Who's he? Uh, the Counselor Troy is the, the empathic counselors. Okay, the, yeah. Like, the very, se- very sexy. Yeah, the girl. <laughs> like, yeah. the girl, right? And so she started out um, on the show. She like it's established that she had a relationship with Commander Riker before. Then she ends up with with Worf, the Klingon, the the Klingon um, uh, security officer. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I she thought it was She could do better. Great. Oh my gosh, she's great. Worf is awesome. Worf is awesome. Too awesome for her. That's why. I wow. Oh, really? yeah. oh, he could do better. She. Yeah, he she, could do better. Wow. I think okay. She could, okay. Okay. I that's mean, I watched one episode. Like that. Right. Right. That's true. Well, anyways, then then she actually ends up marrying Commander Riker in the movies. So she's like, you do follow Counselor Troy is quite a. Like, an interesting love story yeah. uh, throughout the show. Um, Data gets a little uh, action Ooh. in season one. I think later on, too. Is it android action? Uh, it no, it, action? it's he's fully functional, so he's able to uh, provide pleasure for humans. Do you think he glows everywhere? <laughs> Do you feel like Data glows? Like, like you think a little he, like, bit. He like, shines. Yeah, like, he shines. He's shiny, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he shines everywhere. Okay. I think that that's nice. true. I heard, do you think he blows everywhere? <laughs> and let me tell you, the answer to that is definitely yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Starfleet Boy is normally PG-13. Oh, okay. I think we're still safe. Yeah, I think yeah, we're it's, okay. It's okay. YouTube, yeah. there's far worse that happens on YouTube. I mean, yeah. Right? Absolutely. Oh, de- yeah. definitely, definitely. Okay, cool. Um... I just wanted to say, I, you know, I noticed in this episode, Dr. Pulaski was giving some serious heat to Data. She was being real condescending when they were in the uh, uh, shuttle. But then she thanked him. Right, it was kind of cowardly at the end. She was like, sorry I said all those shitty, you know, basically robot racist things. Uh, she, you know, but she kept being like, you can't feel things, stop giving me your opinion. That's true. Um... Mm-hmm. It's great. Which, and that, I yeah. think that, that got her into trouble, so suck it. Data's yeah. still the best. <laughs> Data is awesome. And, you know, it's funny that the episode you guys watched in philosophy class is in this season, and I think that's when Dr. Pulaski starts to change her tune a little bit. Right. Is in that episode. Okay. But up until now, they've been slowly kind of, like, doing this throughout the whole thing. She's been, like, she's always, like astonished when data can do something that seems very human and she's like oh i i'm that's that's just your programming and there was a whole episode where um they go into the holodeck and uh reenact sherlock holmes and it's because she thinks that data can't actually solve an original mystery and so wow yeah it's kind of because she thinks like you know he's pulling knowledge from you know okay his personal wikipedia and so that's how he solves problems but um we do, yeah. Data's on a search to be human. He wants nothing more than to feel feelings and and be accepted as a a uh, living, specifically a human. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing that is interesting to watch how that progresses throughout the series too, because mm. you know it's it's a fun thing to watch. Actually, it's great. Yeah. It's actually how, very how many uh, seasons? There's seven seasons of Star Trek: okay. Generation. So if you guys wanted to, you could get started on season one and catch up. To, to where we're at, and we yeah. can do these over over the uh, over the internet from it's, from the Canada. I will say this: uh, it's sad that it took him seven seasons to realize all he had to do was scrub off the silver shiny makeup <laughs> to become a human. Hello. Do they go? Do uh, they go from silver shiny to like a oh nice drop? Did yeah, you were dropping I a just mic. Just dropped this mic. Nice. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> um. Great discussion so far. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, what were we talking about just now? Oh, a lot of... Sh- so, th- there's Data has some sex. I think Wesley has some sex. Like, Captain Picard, even later, Ooh, finds, good for him. finds someone. A couple of someone. There's, like, a couple of characters that he finds later I was on. always under the impression Picard was, like, uh, just a non-committal hookup dude. I get the feeling he's, like, taking little side missions out. On a, you know, on off days and kind of like, cause I feel like he's into, he's into like variety. I'm, this is just <laughs> what I well, presume his sexual interests are. <laughs> and I like to think he was perusing planets for new alien life forms that like to, uh, that's just how I feel about it. I think that Captain Picard is more apt to read a book or listen to a symphony or you can do all, all kinds things of things after. like that. Um, I think he can just do it all. I don't think he has to choose one over the other. That's true. It's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got a he's he's so human, right? He's so deeply human. I feel like if he's a non-sexual guy. He can't. He could never be so human. And I don't think it's that he's non-sexual. I think that like there's an episode early on in season one where a very um, sexual character, who's like you know known for his prowess or whatever, is mm-hmm. like, but Captain Picard, you're like the captain. Like you could bang anyone you want to, <laughs> and he corrects him and he says, well, on the contrary, I find myself really just. It, it would be inappropriate, first of all. And, you know, he has to keep, like... I think that's professional how... A professionalism, yeah, yeah. A professional relationship. And then the other thing is, and, like, you know, to your argument, like, well, okay, fine. He can't, like, have relationships with the crew, but he goes off on these, like, kind of, you know... Sex-cursions. sex I don't think he has the time for it. Like, the Enterprise has a very busy schedule. And I did say schedule. And, um... I'm readjusting myself here, making myself more comfortable. But um, I, I really, I really don't think that he, uh, that he has time for it. I disagree. I mean, I'm gonna disagree. Maybe he doesn't. I think he doesn't. I agree with Sohail. I don't think he has time for it, and I think he's, uh, he's like a very well-respected man, and he knows better than to mess with people. He knows who, whom he can and cannot sleep with. Right. See, I feel like he's doing sophisticated hookups. Like, like what would that be like? Call like what is that? What like is call, that? Ladies? call ladies. I feel like he's, no. He, no, no, that's not sophisticated at all. I feel oh, like sorry. he's probably going to like swanky alien jazz bars, and like sure. you know, <laughs> chatting it up with the uh, the 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 business class uh, on that alien planet. Well, you know what? He seems like the type of guy that if he went to an alien jazz bar, there'd be a lot of ladies who would be into him. 
And then he right. kind of have his pickings and pick who he wants. Right. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like he's a, he's like an intellectual who just hooks up with other intellectuals. Well, so I guess case in point, the show's very sexy. Yes. Yeah. It's too bad they changed the suits after season one. Are you like the tighter? Oh, that well, tight shiny suit? the Troy girl, she has like a little deep V, I noticed. Yeah, yeah. And hers is very tight. Whereas the doctor and everyone else has like a a higher collar, right? Yeah. Right. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Why does the counselor get to wear a leotard? Because she's like a sexy lady, and they want to show off her figure. <laughs> I mean, probably. But like, what do you think the practical reason on the ship is? Like, everyone else has to wear a uniform, but she doesn't have to. Maybe, uh, maybe. Starfleet literally put her on the ship because they were like, this ship needs more sex appeal. <laughs> Boom. I think that there is actually a good explanation for it. I can't remember what it is at this time, but I do know that later on in like se- season six or seven, she does start wearing a uniform. It all might, of a maybe sudden. it's like she's like newer and so she doesn't have that ranking yet. She might like, not even be an officer. She might not be even like. She might be like a civilian liaison, and then later she joins Starfleet. It's possible, yeah. It's a possibility. I can't remember. I know that there is a shift, though, at some point. Counselor Troy starts wearing a uniform, and I think it's fantastic because, you know, it is a little weird that she's, like, running around in, like, like basically a leotard. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, you know, it's, it's... It's not good. It doesn't reflect Hollywood well to do that, you know? So, well, it also, I think it's, like, terrible because it's like, oh, you know, you have, like, a very attractive female character and you put her in, like, skimpy clothing, uh, you know, kind of, like, exploiting her looks. Right. You know? If it was... See, if the first episode of the show had been her, like, the cold open, going through her drawers and being like, pulling out the uniform everyone else wears and going, no, I don't want to wear this... I feel more comfortable in this. Right. Then I would have been like, great, it was her choice, the character's choice. Uh, Hollywood still being exploitative. But at least it would be... More explanation. People are allowed to feel good in whatever they feel good in. That's true. I mean, um, yeah, some people like to, like, just be free and, like, you know, and, and not feel constricted. And others feel, like, very modest. Like, I find myself to be a very modest person and I... I dress up all the time. And, right. You know, other others of us, like, you know, we're very comfortable just being in our underwear. Yeah. I'm very comfortable. <laughs> Maybe I'm in somewhere underwear. in between. Yeah, yeah we're right. like, the three of us are kind of like the spectrum. I what guess. matters to me would be establishing that it's a character's, it's the character's choice. Preference, yeah. Not, and for a, a reason that is for her own self-esteem and uh, image... That, that would totally change it, but because they never had that moment, it's just like, ah, oh, this is producers making sure they can sell a pretty nerdy show that's mostly about philosophy. What's interesting is that, like, for the time that Star Trek The Next Generation came out, it was actually pretty, it was pushing the envelope quite a bit in terms of some of the philosophical ideas, but also some of the uh, things, like, for example... You know, although the show is very sexual, there's never, like, a, a discussion about sexual preference or if, a, you know, a character right. is gay or straight or mm-hmm. whatever. There's never any kind of discussion like that. And, in fact, later on when Deep Space Nine is aired, um, 
you do start to get like again conversations that you know maybe about characters that are homosexual but it's always done in a very matter of fact and casual way where there's no it's not a big deal so for example on that show the commander of the start of the station and another character are invited to um uh, a male uh, characters uh, baby shower or something like that you know mm-hmm. right and then they freely just without like anything just say the two the two characters names and it, I think they're masculine names so it's right. like but it's never like and it's you know and it's these two men that are being invited to this baby shower what, so it's like flipping everything what on its year, head. if you don't mind me asking well, what year is Star Trek the next Generation started at, came out in 88 and I think now season two is 89 okay and then Deep Space Nine I think comes out in like the early 90s at some point okay. so yeah and then so that being said so star trek now it seems like a little dated because you know we have the benefit of being in you know like star trek aired more you know the next generation aired more than 20 years ago so it's like oh okay some of it's a little funny and laughable but at the time it was actually quite you know right. evocative or whatnot mm-hmm. what do you expect from this the new star trek show coming out star trek discovery like what do you hope to see on the show that is going to push the television envelope uh and push thought forward philosophically on star trek discovery mm. Mm. yeah I mean, I would love to see, I would, I'm just dying to see any TV show, uh, really sink its teeth, especially a flagship show like Star Trek, really sink its teeth in reevaluating classic science fiction tropes, uh, through the lens of today's, uh, issues that are prominent in society, of which there are many. We have... A plethora. We live in a relatively tumultuous time, um, and I think it's time that, you know, uh, a, uh, we have a Star Trek series that truly reflects our times and the way we think. I think they could simply follow the same kind of ideology that uh, was used to write TNG, which was to examine uh, current issues and uh, philosophical issues uh, through the medium of the show, I think we're ready for an update on that. I think times have changed enough to, to give that another go. I would also like to see more visual styling in the, uh, upcoming Star Trek series. I think all the series have kind of had the same, more or less, visuals. Um, Mm -hmm. I would, and and I would hope Brian Fuller uh, you know, show running it would have that impact, and fingers crossed it will. I think the new show just needs to bring it visually. I mean, Brian Fuller did Hannibal, which was one of the most immaculately uh, conceived visual experiences for television. I never saw that show. I'll have to give I think it a chance. You like it? Okay, yeah. I'll check out Hannibal. All right. Well, um, do you guys have anything else to add um, about this episode? Not that I can think of. You? Yeah, LeVar Burton was in the back of a lot of scenes. I would have liked to have just seen more of him. It was just... I was I was watching one take, and I was like, they asked LeVar Burton just to stand at the back of this scene with his back turned to the camera for, like, two or three minutes. I, I mean, didn't I didn't remember Jordy was on the episode. That's... It's... Yeah. He was on. It, it was a shame. It was a shame. You don't just have LeVar Burton on there. 
Well, you know, a lot of times TV shows save money by, uh, like, maybe showing the characters around, but not actually, like, having them on. So it's like everyone kind of gets... Like, this episode was, like, Dr. Pulaski heavy, so they were like, okay, well, who can we... Who can we, like, you know, lighten up in this episode so that right. our, we could save on budget, you know? That's so. true. Although, I don't know. I don't know. At the time this show was made, I don't know what uh, union rules were. But uh, <laughs> as far as I know, uh, if your name is in the opening credits and if you're, i.e., if you're part of the regular cast of the show, regardless of whether or not you're in an episode, uh, unless you're billed as a, uh, a guest appearance... Uh, you are getting paid for the episode. I do believe that the only starring character is uh, our um, uh, Patrick Stewart, because it says, like, starring Patrick Stewart, Jonathan Frakes, and maybe maybe Data, but everyone else is all is also starring, so maybe that has something to do with it, too. That's possible. As far as I know, it would be anyone who's on the opening bill like that. You know, I might be wrong. I have to now watch the credits. But that's interesting. Maybe that's why also starring is used in general. Maybe that's what that loophole is about. Yeah. Maybe Mm -hmm. the star is the only person that gets that privilege or whatever. Yeah. And I wonder what and introducing does. Oh, yeah. Oh, they do that introducing, yeah. Yeah, They get paid less. Maybe. It's all about pay scales. Yeah, it's true. Equal pay for and introducings. Um, anyways, uh, this is the part of the show that we rate the episode, and we have a scale from one to ten. Right. So I'll let, as, since you guys are the guests, I'll let you go first and uh, give us your rating for this episode. Starfleet girl. Uh, okay. Uh, can I do point fives? Yeah. I gave it like a six point five to seven cool. on ten. Oh yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's an eight. An eight. Great. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give it a 7, so Jamie liked it more than me. That's awesome. Yeah. Look, I'm a little rusty. (laughs) No, it's okay. I'm glad you liked it more than me. All right, so that uh, concludes our latest episode of Starfleet Board. It was a pleasure having the two of you on, but it's even more of a pleasure to have you both visiting me here in uh, at Starfleet headquarters in Seattle. So Yay. this is like a real cool thing. And unfortunately, we're about 12 episodes ahead, so you won't see this episode <laughs> for another 12 weeks. But... <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, it's all, right. it's all yeah. good. We have an important space mission to be on for 12 weeks. So. <laughs> Ooh. All right, well, everyone live long and prosper. Oh. And, uh, yep, can you do that, Simon? Oh, am I doing it wrong? No, like, yet yeah, close. Oh. Really. You gotta put these two, those two fingers together too. Can you do that? Oh, yeah, there you I go. I think I have trouble with this. Oh, nice. Some people do. William Shatner can't do it. I don't think I can do it. I yeah, don't. that's okay. We'll do it for you. So live long and prosper, everybody. <laughs> Here we go. And drop that mic. Drop that Boom. mic. Boom. Boom.